presence. Simply put, is all we need. If you will tonight, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. I'm glad to know that the Spirit of the Lord can still move even though I'm wearing a bow tie. I thought pastor would fire me for wearing a bow tie. But thank you for your grace and your mercy, pastor. He still gave me a hard time about it. But Exodus chapter 33. Familiar portion for some, maybe not so familiar for others. Preached out of this many different times. You've heard it preached many different ways. But we're going to begin in verse 12. And we find we come in the midst of a meeting between Moses and the Lord. It says, And Moses said in verse 12 unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. For wherein shall it be known Oh, excuse me, verse 15. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? He's asking, how will people know that we are your chosen? It is not that thou goest with us. He's saying, is it not... Is not the reason people know that we are yours is because your presence goes with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. I know thee by name. I want to preach to you simply promise and presence. Promise and presence. We come in this text in the middle of a meeting between Moses and God. And they're having what my parents would like to call intense fellowship. Because Moses is trying to lead millions, many believe millions, hundreds of thousands at least, of people and to the promises of God. But at the beginning of this chapter, Brother Brian, God speaks to Moses. And He tells them this. And verse 2. And I will send an angel before thee. And I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and 
the Hivite and the Jebusite. Sounds awesome. Sounds great. But in verse 3, he says, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. We know, and in reading our Bibles, we know that the promise was the promised land. The land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for Israel to dwell, inhabit, and rule. That was the promise. The promise was a new life, free from bondage, where they could simply be God's people, and He could simply be their God. It's all God wanted. But we find that the Hebrew people are a lot like us today, and they formed idols, they complained, which, hey, no one's exempt from that. We've all got our focus off God before in our lives. Many, all of us could probably testify to that. And many of us can say that we've complained. As Paul would say, I am the chief of sinners. We've all done that. But it got to uh, such, a, such a, a, a great point that God said, Listen, you know what? I will give you the promise. But I will not give you my presence. He said, I will give you the promise. I'll give you what you wanted. But I will not give you my presence. We're going somewhere tonight. You see, many people in the day and hour in which we live, they want the promises of God. But so often we neglect to have the presence of Almighty God. We live in a society today, in the church world today, that the church wants to talk about healing. They don't want the healer. Listen, God is, is an almighty God and He's a powerful God and he's, He can heal, save, and deliver. But let me tell you that He's also a holy God. People want the presence like a gift you receive without the presence. People want the deliverance, but not the deliverer. They want the liberator. They, or they want the liberty, not the liberator. They want God with no strings attached. Many people want convenience, not covenant. Many people want God to offer their alter their lives, but not their souls. I knew it would be quiet at first tonight. I promise you this, this gets really good. This gets really good. But all I'm saying tonight is that sometimes we can focus so much on the promises that God has given us that we lose sight of His presence. Listen, Brother Larry, God's promised me some things for these young people. God's promised Pastor Ronnie some things for this ministry. God's promised you, many of you, the souls of your lost loved ones. God's promised you some things in your life. 
And it's not bad to want to see them fulfilled. But let me tell you, apart from the presence of God, it will never last. Do you realize as a body of Christ, as, as, as the church today in the, in, in the United States, we cannot survive without His presence. And we have no future without His presence. We're in an interesting time. I've been telling those in my family and my friends, you can, you can ask Sierra, I've looked at her many times, and I say, I'll tell you right now that we're at a, 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 a breaking point, if you will, in the spirit. God's trying to get a hold of his remnant of believers that will serve him no matter what the cost, because time is wrapping up. And there, 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 there's this breaking point. Who will bend but not break? And who will break and simply walk away? We're at this very pivotal point in, in the church of America today. The Bible tells us, in the book of Ezra, chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, that they began to lay the foundation of the second temple. They began to prepare it, got all the workmen together, got all the priests together, all the Levites, and they, they put them in their garb, and they put them in, in their, their, their raiment, and, and they did all the procedures, pastor. They did all the religious things that they were supposed to do. Excuse me, I didn't mean to do that. But they did everything they were supposed to do. The Bible says that they prepared the foundation and they announced that the foundation was done and there was a multitude of people around and they began to scream and they began to shout and they began to praise. But something happened in verse 13. Half of the congregation was rejoicing and half of the congregation was grieving. And mourning. Why? The, the half of the congregation, there was, the Bible says in this text, they were ancient men. Just means they were elderly men. It says the elderly Levites and priests that had been there for the first temple when Solomon dedicated his temple, they grieved. One side celebrated and said, hey, we're, we're building something new. We're building something beautiful. It's the promise. It's what God wants us to do. But there was one generation grieving because they were saying, you've received the promise, but you have not received the presence. Because in the first temple, those ancient men, those elder men, they remember that the glory of God came down as, as Solomon began to declare the temple a holy place unto God. And they remember when the Ark of the Covenant was put in its rightful place in the holies of holies that the Spirit and the presence of God was so strong that the ministers and the elders and the priests could not minister, but they were on their face because the, the Spirit was so thick and so heavy. You see, it's a, it's a, we are fully capable and fully able, able to inherit the promises of God with the presence of God. 
But we live in a church age where it's, oh man, they're building a brand new building. They must be doing something right. They must be successful. And that may be true. But they were building a, a beautiful building. and They thought everything was going to be grand and good. But yet they had the promise, not the presence. And there's a war going on in the spiritual, whether you feel it or not. Because there's a remnant of people that have said, listen, I want what my elders have talked about. I want what my elders have talked about. I don't want just the promises of God, but I want the promise and the presence of God. I want His fullness. I want all of Him. I, I want all that He has to offer. Listen, you can knock the old church at all that you want to over legalism and things like that, but I'll tell you, those saints of God knew how to get a hold of God. They knew how to fast. They knew how to pray. They knew how to trust and lean on God. They knew what the presence of God was like, and, and we have but tasted just a, a small measure, and, and we rejoice over just a small measure, and they're saying, listen, there's more to God's presence than just the promises. There's more to God's presence than just the promises. And what we have now is what verse 13 described. He described it, the King James Version, it says the people could not discern the noise. Could not discern the noise. Because one was celebrating, one generation was celebrating, while the other was mourning. In the church age that we live in, we have this confusion, this, this, this merging of the old and the new. And what it's done is it's left the church in confusion. And when the church is in confusion, the presence of God is stalled. But listen. Let me tell you tonight. I know I'm in a room with a group of people that not only want the promises of God, but I know, I saw it this morning, I know you want the presence of God. And you did exactly, many of you are doing exactly what Moses did. He said, listen God, I know what you said in the first por portion of this chapter. I know you said we're, we're stiff-necked people and, and we got problems and, and we got issues. And, and God, I know we do. But listen, God, I'm not going up unless your presence goes with me. I don't want the promised land if it's apart from you. And there's a group of people that are rising up and there's a group of people in this house tonight that says, God, I refuse to have all the things you've promised me apart from your presence. Moses said, God, if you won't go up with us, I'm not moving one inch if your presence isn't in it. But let me talk to you tonight also. Why we're in such need of the presence. 
Why do we not only need the promises, but we need the presence? Why? Why? Moses tells you in our text, in verse 16, let me put you, let, let me just run it through Jade's translation. What he was saying is, Father, do they, do you, do you not realize that other people know that we're called and set apart because your presence is with us? What sets us apart and what should set us apart as children of God is that his presence is with us and in us. When we walk into a room, the atmosphere begins to change because the presence of God is with us. That's how we're identified. We find our identity in Christ. And how can we find our identity in Christ unless we're in, the, in presence with Him? In the room with Him? In relationship with Him? It's how we are to be identified by the presence of God. Many want to identify God's presence as promises. You say, what does that mean? As we said earlier, go to the biggest ministry around and, oh man, the presence of God must be there. Just because you see the promises doesn't mean there's a, there's a presence. Because God told him in this text, God told Moses, he said, listen, I'll give you the promise. I'll give it to you. I'll send an angel. I'll, I'll help you. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight hard. But you're not going to have my presence. Do you realize the story about the Jewish people would be about military exploits if it wasn't for the presence of God? When you study their history, you would see, oh, well, they, 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 they had this military strategy and it, and it worked to a T and, and they, they, it cost them many lives, but they took Jericho and, and they, they went into the promised land and, and they, they tried to conquer AI and, and you know what? They were set back, but they, they went back again and they, they conquered them. It would be nothing but a military record, but that's not the record we have in our Bible. The record we have in our Bible is not only were they inheriting the promises of God, but what the, what the chronicles say about, about Jericho is that in Joshua and his book is that God brought the walls down. That God through sanctification delivered Ai into their hands. That they took everything that God wanted for them because God was with them. Not because they were so smart. Not because they, they, they had all these, these, these prospering things happening. But because they had the presence of God. You can inherit the promise without the presence. Without the presence. But you'll never keep the promise without the presence. You'll find in Joshua chapter 2, I believe, that Rahab, the harlot, she tells the two spies. What does she tell them? She, she tells them, your army and your nation so big. We're terrified of you. It's not what she says. She says, because of your God. Because the presence of God is with you. Your enemies' hearts were melted like wax. Because of the God you serve. 
Not because of the promises, not because the promise of, uh, not, not because the promise of stuff, not because, not because someone said, oh, that should be yours, or I think that should be yours, or this should be yours. No, that, that, that didn't intimidate them at all. What intimidated the enemy and what pushed back on the enemy was the fact that they knew that the presence of God went with his people. That's how they were identified as people. That had the presence. As people. That had the presence. You see promises. Promises. Are not a bad thing. But without the presence. They're very. 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 Difficult. To obtain. As I said earlier, there's no doubt in my mind, Brother Brian, if they would have walked away from God in that moment in Exodus chapter 33, that they may have conquered Jericho, but it would have cost them dearly. What makes the present so significant is it turns tests into testimonies. You say, what, what do you mean, preacher? What do you mean? Promises will bring you tests. But presence, that's what gives you testimony. That's what gives you testimony. Israel distinguished themselves and set themselves apart, not because of their many victories, but by the presence of Almighty God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 16, Jesus says, listen, I've told these things to you so that you have peace. Though you may go through a tribulation, know this, that I've overcome the world. What he was saying is you will go through temptation, you will go through tribulation, you will go through trials, you will go through tests. But knowing this, that I'm with you, and knowing this, that I've overcome the world. What does overcome mean? It means you overcome. You get over it. You get through it. It doesn't mean you dodge it. It doesn't mean you're exempt from it. But the presence of God creates testimonies. Creates testimonies. Why... why? Why, why, why is that so significant? You see, what makes testimony so powerful? We, we quote it all the time. They, shall, they, they will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Why presence and testimony go hand in hand is because when you walk towards the promises of God with the presence of God, you'll win battles that you should not have won. That's what a testimony is. A testimony is when someone stands up and says, I thank God that I'm saved. Why is that a testimony? Because there is no way without Jesus Christ and His presence that you should deserve heaven. What is a testimony? 
A testimony is, listen, I was diagnosed, as my mama would tell me, I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. I had tumors all over my body. I was five foot seven, 80 pounds. They gave me five days to live. But I'm here today, and I'm proclaiming the gospel to you today. And she would say these things, and that would be her testimony. Why? Because the presence of God delivered her through a battle that she should not have won. That's a testimony. That's why promise and testimony go hand in hand. The promise of healing goes hand in hand with the the presence of God. Because why? There's no sense. The doctor will tell you there's no reason why you should be healed. But because of the presence of God, you were healed. I don't want people to say about PTC Ministries, man, they got a beautiful church. We do. Thank God for our pastor. Thank God for... For, for Brother Willie Russell, thank God for our heritage. We thank God for what we have. But I don't want people to say, oh man, Pastor Ron Russell's got a nice building down there. I don't want them to say about PTC Ministries that, oh man, they got a good worship team. They got good preaching down there. When Ronnie preaches, they got good preaching down there. And I don't want them to say that stuff. You say, why? Well, that's not bad. But all they're seeing is the promises. What I want them to say is, listen, down at PTC Ministries, there's something real down there. There's a presence down there. God dwells there. Why? Because there's people in that house that are sitting there, and they've been brought through things they never should have made it out of. They never should have got through. They should have foreclosed on that house, but sometime, somehow, some way, they got the money. They, they should have been eaten up with fear and anxiety, but somehow, through the presence and the power of God, they received the promises of God, and they're through it, and they, they don't have any fear. They're up preaching, they're up singing, they're up proclaiming the name of God. Why it doesn't make sense? Because when the presence of God gets involved, it changes the testimony. The presence of God turns death into testimony. We're not set apart by the building we have, by the blessings we have. We should be set apart because the presence of God rests upon this house and the people of this house. We have a testimony because we have not promises, but presence. I want a church that can promise the presence of the promise keeper. I want a church that not can boast and say, man, come down here, we'll heal you. Listen, it's not some magic potion. It's not to be traded and treated so lightly. I want them to say, listen, I, whatever ails you, whatever, whatever you have need of, you, you need to get to that house because the presence of God is in that house. Let the testimony of this church be about the presence, not the promises. I'll tell you right now, I can speak for our pastor. He wants the presence of God. Why? Because in the presence of God, you'll find the promises. But to obtain the promises without God is to obtain them very shortly, very temporarily. What distinguishes us is not our battles that we fought and won. What distinguishes us is the battles that we fought and shouldn't have won. What distinguishes us 
is not our victories. What distinguishes us is the presence of God. They'll come to the music tonight. You say, why, why is that such a, a, a big deal that the presence of God should distinguish us? Why is it a big deal that a testimony is so powerful? What makes it so powerful? Sister Terry, this is what makes it so powerful. Whether you're saved or lost, this life will bring you tests. Everybody got tests. Everybody got problems. I'm not talking everybody. I'm talking everybody. Everybody got problems. We do. We do. I know you're, you're sitting there and, and, and you look good. Let me tell you, you look great. But you can't lie to me. You got problems. I got a lot of problems. And some have more than others. Okay? We got problems. But everybody does. In this house, out of this house. Everybody's, everybody's got issues. Everybody's got storms to go through. Everybody's got tests. That doesn't distinguish us. That doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't preach and doesn't say, come out from among them and be ye separate. That's not a light to anybody, so to speak. But a testimony is different than a test. Because a testimony... goes something like this it should have killed me but it didn't those girls that you minister in that prison you help the testimony is what they've been through in life should have debilitated them but yet through the presence and the power of God it's rehabilitating them that's a testimony. What a testimony is, Sister Terry, when they said fear should consume you, but yet you lift your hands. She'll speak in a heavenly language and prophesy. That's a testimony. Babe, come up here for a second. No, you don't like to be up in front of people. You're like Debbie. better three quarters I would say better half but she's most of me <laughs> I wonder what testimony is that when Ezra died our little baby boy he should have destroyed this marriage we didn't understand it prayed for healing and, and God had his will he had his way it's hard it's, it's difficult 
test. But what distinguishes it and turns it into a testimony is that the presence of God saved us. to lean on each other and to lean on him instead of saying listen we've been through this traumatic experience you just go your way and I'll just go mine that's a testimony a testimony is when they tell a mother that her baby will never walk TJ that's a test but the testimony is that he's back there standing on his two feet and he will talk your leg off and he will run you to death and he'll juke you so bad it'll break his ankles. But that's a testimony. What distinguishes it is that you went through a test and it should have killed you. It should have destroyed your marriage. It should have taken your life. It should have stole your joy. It should have stole your peace. It should have emptied your heart and life of value and purpose. But what it did was the opposite because you had the presence of God. You sit down, baby. every service your testimony to me I don't know why I never knew him but I don't know why Travis had to go I don't I don't know why but you know what the testimony is to your children your grandchildren sitting over there that you can still lift your hands that you'll still cry and weep in the presence of an almighty God that it should have destroyed you but you refuse to let it happen why? Because you had the strength, because you had the courage. Yes, because you had the strength and courage to say, I don't have the strength, I don't have the courage, but I have the presence of an almighty God. That's testimony. That's testimony. Young people. you already have testimonies but I believe many of you have promises from God God spoke to you things that you've never told anyone and maybe you have confided in a few people that you love maybe a call maybe a ministry that God wants to set your your feet on a path that your that God wants to set your feet on let me tell you Jesus looked at his followers his disciples his young men 
said, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You will. And you've already faced many of them. So you're going to keep facing them. It's just life. But young people, if you will learn now, as Moses said, I will not go forward without your presence. God's going to give you many more, vis- many more testimonies. Not, not, not just to say, oh man, I went through something. God brought me out. Those are great. But I believe your testimonies are going to be, they brought them to me. couldn't walk and I began to lay hands on them began to pray and their testimonies will be and they stood up and they walked their testimonies would the greatest sinner in the city came to me and I led them to the Lord let their testimonies be of blind eyes being opened of young people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost of their friends and family coming to know, to the knowledge of Christ because they've went through some tests and now they have testimonies and now they can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of that testimony and say, listen, I know there's promise for you, but I also know there's a presence that will get you through every time, every trial, every situation that you have. You stand with me across this house. I want promise. I want the promises. But I never want the promises if I have to sacrifice the presence. God said in the beginning portion of this chapter, you can go. You can go up. You can have it. talked about a group of people rejoicing a group of people weeping in the midst of all the confusion I want God to know that in this house we have weeped because we wanted to see the presence of God and we have planted ourselves like Moses did God, we're not going without you. I want God to know tonight that we want His promises, but more than anything, we want His presence. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. amazing is that when Jesus was telling his disciples in John chapter 16 that 
they can take, they can have peace is what he says, knowing that he overcame the world. In the next chapter, see, we put chapters and verses in there for memorization and, and breakup. That, that was done thousands of years ago almost. But it wasn't written that way. It was continuous. And as soon as you end that chapter in verse 16 and bounce up to chapter 17, Jesus begins to talk about the glory of God and the manifestation of His presence and His power. What He was telling His disciples, when you make up your mind that I'm all you need, you're going to see the glory. And in Exodus chapter 33, Moses makes a declaration and tells God, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to overcome anything without your presence. And I'm not going anywhere without your presence. If we would have read just a little bit further, in verse 18, he says, God, show me your glory. And God says, oh, there's a place. There's a place by me. I can show you my glory because what you've done is when you've announced to God that you want his presence and nothing else you have put your life into the direction of a place that's by God where you can see him in a way that you've never seen him before Terry I want his glory Mary Lou I want his glory Jaden I want his glory but I can't have his glory without his presence and I don't want his promises without it. So if you're here in this house